Well, welcome everyone to our uh, temporary venue, uh, the uh, Muncie Civic Theater, and we're grateful to them uh, for being able to um, do that for us. This is unique. There's a spotlight behind, and my head is right in the middle of my notes. So this is going to be fun. Maybe if I move back here, that's why you stay back here. That is. You know, I'm learning as we go, folks. So... Well, uh, if you're visiting with us, we're so grateful that you're here today, and uh, we're excited about uh, an opportunity for us to kind of do church as a family, and uh, we're beginning a brand new series on parenting, and in particular, what we're going to talk about is uh, the whole response of discipline, and what does it mean to uh, discipline uh, in our families. You know, often people come up to me, and they'll say, uh, you know, these kids today, they are just out of control, don't you think? And when they say that, I usually respond by saying, well, I'm not so concerned about the kids as I am concerned about the parents, because some of the parents are out of control. You see, I'm convinced today that if any of our kids are out of control, the blame, the fall that's on their shoulders really is on the parents and not the kids. It rests on their shoulders. And so over the next two weeks, what I want to do is talk about parenting and how you can uh, work at parenting. And I'm here to be able to help you, uh, not to hammer you. I want to walk alongside you because the reality is, is that I'm only two uh, years along in this whole parenting thing myself. And I need all the help I can. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to try to uh, do that. Now let me say this. There is a ton of potential in this place for good parents. It's filled with that. And I believe if we can get our hands around this idea of parenting, we can have not only uh, better parent skills, but better families also. So whether you're a parent or a grandparent, a single parent, a uh, step-parent, a soon-to-be parent, or some other kind of parent, I want to save you boatloads of pain and hurt later on in life as we look at communicating what I believe is the most important point of parenting, and that is discipline. Let's go ahead and look at these uh, following uh, Scripture verses. Here's the first one. It says, Fools despise wisdom and discipline. And then the next one, a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And then this next one, discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring the light to your soul. You see, folks, the key ingredient to parenting is discipline. Now, before we go on any further, I want us to kind of look at what I think is a definition for parenting. What does it mean to be a parent? And when it comes right down to it, this is kind of our working definition. It's the process of teaching and training your child to become a healthy adult. It's a process of teaching and training your child to become a healthy adult. Now, you know, often what parents will do, they'll come up to me and they'll say, you know what, I want to create a healthy child. And I appreciate that goal and I appreciate what they say when uh, they're saying that, but the reality is they're wrong. The goal of parenting isn't to create a healthy child. It's to create a healthy adult. 
Now, in saying that, I know I've already created some issues for your parents. Because this afternoon, uh, what's going to happen is, your kids are going to only remember one thing. Chris said, I was an adult. And uh, so what's going to happen is, they're going to get in trouble for some reason. They'll go, hello, you're talking to an adult. Okay? So uh, I know I realize that. So let me reiterate this to those of you uh, who are kids. Kids aren't adults. But it's the job of parents to raise healthy adults. You see, my wife Jennifer and I have two children, uh, Jordan and Shiloh. And if we simply raise them as healthy kids, but they become unhealthy adults, we haven't done our job. I mean, the goal of parenting, the goal of discipline is this, to mold and to shape my child to use their talents and abilities to honor God for a lifetime. It's to mold and to shape them in such a way that they'll use their talents and abilities to honor God, not just while they're children, but for their entire life. It's to have children who grow up as healthy adults with healthy character and a nature of Jesus Christ. And the reason we're to discipline is because God disciplines us. Because the reality is, when you discipline your children, you're simply mimicking your Maker. God is not shy to discipline us as adults, and we should not be shy to discipline our kids. The Bible says this, Do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent His rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those He loves, as a father, the son He delights in. I want you to notice something here. And it's that God doesn't punish us. It's a false kind of theological view that's out there that says God punishes us. We do something wrong and He punishes us. It's not true. It's not in the Bible. In fact, our punishment, our sin, our mess-ups, our screw-ups, our flub-ups were paid for 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross. Now, the Scripture does say that He disciplines us. But what's the Scripture say? Why does He discipline us? Why? Because He loves us. That's why He disciplines us. In the same way, if you love your children, you will discipline them. Because discipline is something that we don't do uh, to our children. It's something we do for our children. In fact, one of the most loving things that you can do as a parent is to discipline your children. It's kind of like this. Here's love and here's discipline. And God's whole focus is for us to weave those together into one. When you discipline mom, when you discipline dad, you are showing love to your child. You're helping them to understand and reflect the character and the nature of God. Because if God disciplines us and he's the perfect parent, then in the same light, he desires that we would discipline our kids. Now, in our culture, a lot of times what you hear is, don't discipline your kids, just love them. Love is positive. Discipline is negative. And there is a uh, theological response to that. And it's this. Hogwash. Okay? It's hogwash. If you've ever seen a hog and they're washing, it's nasty. To somehow think that that's important, that you would do that, it's just ludicrous. 
that love is positive and discipline is negative. Any parent who says they love their child, but they don't discipline them, is not really showing them love. Because again, love and discipline are weaved together. In fact, let's do that together as kind of a way for us to get it, kids too. Here's love, here's discipline, now let's weave them together. Ooh, some people are getting creative with their weaving. They're going like this, all right? So what are the keys to discipline your children? That's what we want to talk about today. Over Memorial Day, uh, Jennifer and I invited some friends over to our house, and we were hanging out, and we had a cookout, and it was just a wonderful time. And uh, after we had eaten the hamburgers, uh, one of the daughters of our friend uh, went out, and we went to play some basketball together. And uh, we were shooting some hoops, and after a moment or two, uh, you know, she started talking a little trash. And uh, I thought, bring it on, you know. And um, so we started playing this game called Around the World. And this is a game in which uh, you shoot the basketball uh, around the court at different spots. And if you shoot it and you make it, you go to the next one. If you miss it, you can take a chance to hit it a second time. But if you miss that one, you start at the very beginning. And you go all the way around the court and back. And if you do that, you've gone all the way around the world. Now... I didn't want to kill her, you know. So I said, you go ahead, you pick your spot, and I'll take two giant steps behind your spot, and uh, I'll shoot from that one. Well, she wasn't too convinced of where my two steps would be, and so she brought out some chalk. And she meticulously put down exactly where I was to shoot. And she gave me this piece of pink chalk, and she said, now do you get the idea, girly boy? And, uh, you know, it was kind of on at that point. And uh, she told me, I'm going to watch to see if you step across the line. And throughout the game, she referred to these chalk marks because they were the boundaries for the game. And believe me, she loved having those chalk marks there. You know, none of us would participate in an athletic contest if there weren't some boundary lines. I mean, it just wouldn't be as much fun. In the same way, we should not enter the disciplinary game unless there are some clear boundaries that are set, some lines that are drawn. So that kind of leads me to this first point, and it's this. Create clarity. Create clarity. Friends, when it comes to discipline, we have to have some clear boundary lines for the playing field. And once again, the playing field that is there is simply something that God provides for us. You see, the Bible, more than anything else, is a book of boundary lines. It shows us when we can run, when we can shoot, what happens if we cross certain boundaries, if we step out of bounds, and we walk over the line. And we've got to do the same thing with our children. We have some friends of ours who are uh, some really great parents. We love them a lot, and uh, we've learned a lot from them. And we've applied a lot of their parenting kind of skills to our lives because they're, they're really good. And they're very clear on the discipline that goes on in their home. When you walk into the kitchen, there's this big poster board that uh, sits there, and there are the rules of the house and the consequences for each of the rules if they're broken. 
And I think this is genius. In fact, I told Jennifer, you know, I think we should put that up right now. She said, Chris, Jordan's two. Shiloh's four weeks. You know, it's not going to have the same effect. But when they're old enough to actually see that, I want that to be there. Because kids are begging for boundaries. And we need clear lines that are drawn and to then see these little angels obey every single one of them. Not, they're going to test every single one of them. But if you don't set the boundaries, then you have nowhere to go. All right, I want to ask the kids this. Do any of you kids know what this is? Okay. Okay, you don't know. That's what I thought. This was a game for us as kids, those of us that are old. This is called Etch-A-Sketch. And uh, this was before computers. This was our computer, kids. Okay. And uh, we would take it and we'd go around and you'd make little uh, boundary lines. And if you're real good, you could make different shapes and you'd do all of that. And uh, the cool thing was if you did something, you didn't really like it, what do you do? You shake it up, right? And it's all done. You don't, you don't see anything. The problem with some parents is that they become etch-a-sketch parents. In other words, they put the boundaries down, but the boundaries get shaked each time the kid crosses one. And so something happens and they shake it again and shake it again and shake it again and shake it again. And pretty soon the kids no longer know where the boundaries lie. And the problem is, is that the boundaries are always in flux. Friends, kids want to know where the lines are drawn. They want to know that when the lines are drawn, they don't get shaked, they don't get erased, but they stay put. That the rules don't change from day to day or from week to week, but simply put, kids want clarity in their life. Let's go to the next key, and before I talk about all of it, I want to kind of give you a hypothetical situation. The main reason you have a referee is to reinforce rules. Would everybody agree with that? Maybe? Okay. It's to reinforce rules. Now, over the past few weeks, I haven't got much sleep, but uh, I've been able to watch a lot of NBA basketball games because we have this creative thing called TiVo. And since I'm up until 2 or 3 in the morning, I watch them all. And there is a player that has been remarkable through the playoffs. And uh, this is just for the kids. I wonder if you can say the second name. His name is LeBron James. And uh, how many of you like LeBron? Okay, several of you. And they call him King James. He is the witness that we all witness. And let's just say that uh, hypothetically, LeBron is going down the court and he goes up for a slam dunk. And he's just getting ready to go. And imagine LeBron, not me, okay? And he's going up for the dunk, and he's in midair, and a guy grabs him and throws him to the ground. And let's say that the referee, the guy to reinforce rules, comes in, and he blows the whistle, and he gets the guy over, and he goes, Now, son, did you mean to do that? And let's say that the opposing player goes, No! I didn't mean to do that at all. It was an accident. And let's say that the ref then goes, well, don't do it again, and you apologize to LeBron, and you guys give a hug, and you behave, okay? 
Then let's say that several plays later, LeBron's going down the sideline. He's dribbling all the way. And another guy comes, grabs him, and throws him into the stands. He's watched the Pacers a little bit, you know. And again, let's say that the referee goes up to the player and he says, look into my eyes. Now, I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, mister, you're going to be in trouble. And we were going to Chuck E. Cheese tonight, but you know what? You're just not going to do it if you don't change your way. So I'm going to start counting. One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Mister, I'm going to get to three. Now, I just described to you the way in which discipline is played out in the life of many families. Basketball is a beautiful sport when it's called consistently, but it's an ugly sport when it is done in that respect as some families do discipline. And so parents, that is our second kind of thing we need to do, is champion, champion consistency. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, step-parent, soon-to-be parent, whoever you are, champion consistency. Because the reality is our children are begging for it. And when you're consistent, let me show what happens. It'll come up on the board. Consistency, when it happens, it leads to reliability. Kids are able to say, wow, I can count on my mom and dad. When I mess up, there's a consequence. And the consequence is the same regardless of which parent it is. They're consistent. And then reliability leads to confidence and a strong self-esteem. And let me tell you something, parents, especially those of you with girls. You can't spend enough money to create self-esteem and confidence in your kids. But you yourself as a parent do that more than anyone else. Now, on the other hand, if you're not consistent and you're inconsistent, parenting looks like this. Inconsistency leads to unreliability. And then unreliability leads to insecurity. And kids become tentative and they misbehave and pretty soon their whole world spirals out of control simply because no one was consistent with them. So champion consistency. Here's the third thing. Cultivate unity. Cultivate unity. We must present, when it comes to discipline, a unified front. You've got to be on the same page. Mom and dad, and some of you are grandma and grandpas. I mean, that's the thing that kills parents sometimes. They have this consistent routine, and grandma and grandpa come in, and they're like, go for it, whatever you want, you know? And if you're a grandma and grandma, grandpa, be on a unified front with them. Follow the rules of the parents. Stay unified. Now, here's how a lot of discipline plays itself out. The mom is kind of seen as the guru of discipline. They're kind of seen as the heavy. I mean, I know moms, they'll take you out. You know what I mean? Now, the dad, on the other hand, is kind of like Mr. Cruise Director. Welcome to this ship of non-discipline. Come on in and do what you want. And so what happens is, let's say that uh, a daughter comes to her mom and says something uh, to her and then asks a question, and the mom says no. Now, kids are amazing at being able to not stop there. They will learn to play one against the other to manipulate the other person. Any kids want to admit you've done that before? Oh, wow, we have some real good ones here. 
Some adults were raising their hands even. Well, let's say that the daughter then goes from mom to dad and she comes with those big blue eyes and she asks the exact same question. Now, dads, the first thing is you don't say, okay, because you're my baby girl. You say, what did your mother say? And then whatever she said, you support as a spouse. Now, you might say, well, Chris, what if I disagree with him or her, my spouse? Parents, support your spouse. You've got to have their back. You have to be loyal to them. Present a unified front. Now, if you disagree with some way that they're handling discipline with the children, don't do it in front of the kids. Wait until you get alone. And then you can say, what in the world were you thinking? You know, And that happens. You see, friends, the reason it's important to show the unified front is that children then see parents as partners. And it shows that the marriage relationship is the most important aspect of the home. Let me say that again. The marriage relationship is the most important aspect of the home. And throughout the Bible, it unashamedly says over and over and over again that the marriage is the most important relationship. Here's another key to discipline, and it's to contemplate the personalities. Contemplate the personalities. Now, growing up, I was the baby of the family. How many babies of the family do we have? Good. All right. Now, I had an older, brother, uh, an older sister, uh, Lisa, and an older brother, Tim. Now, each of us had very different personalities. So the way my parents disciplined us then had to be different. You can't discipline all your kids exactly the same way. You have to look at their personality. My, now, my dad uh, often talks about our personalities by describing what he would have to do to get correct behavior out of us. He said, with one of my children, all I had to do was look at him just the right way, and they got it. He said, another one of my children, all I had to do was raise my voice, and they got it. Another one of my children, I had to take a belt to, and then they got it. Do you know which one I was? <laughs> Billy the Belt was what it was called. And it had a... Uh, well, it worked. It got your attention. Each of your kids have different personalities. So you have to discipline them differently. Now, before I share the final key, I want to talk to you about something that happened to me four months ago. I was playing on the church basketball team, and we were probably the oldest team out of all the teams that were in the league. We were in our 30s. They were like right out of high school. And um, one day I was playing, and I went up for a rebound, and I'm not sure if I tripped over my own feet or I tripped over someone else's feet, but I sprang my ankle. And all the guys, you know, on the team, because they're in their 30s, go, dude, you didn't touch somebody else's feet. You just tripped over your own feet. Now, parents, the, the key is this, that many of you trip up on this last one. And it's this. 
Commit to apologize. Commit to apologize. Sometimes we have a hard time articulating these four crucial words to our kids. And it's this. I want to apologize. I want to apologize. Parents, our kids know when we flub up, when we mess up, when we screw up. Is that right, kids? Do you know when your parents mess up? Oh, we have perfect parents. Wow, I didn't know. They're afraid to say anything, you know. But they know. Now, let me say this. Most of the time, we are right. In fact, 99% of the time, kids, your parents are right. 1% of the time, though, they're wrong. And you know, in the past eight months, um, our economy has been wrong. The stock has just gone down, 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 down. It's affected all of our retirements. And if you want the stock with your kid to continue to go down, 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 never apologize to them. Just decide that you're the macho parent and you don't need to. But if you want your stock to go up in the relationship with your kid, then you'll choose to apologize to them. Just say to them when you mess up, I want to apologize. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Chris, my kids are grown up now. They're out of the house. Well, write them a letter. Call them on the phone. Take them out to lunch. Maybe there was something in your parenting past that you could say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry for this. I want to apologize for this. But do something to show that you are a person of Christian character, that you know you can apologize. You know, my daughter Jordan's only two, but we've applied this in our role with her. We apologize uh, to her, and we've done it several times. Now, the good thing is, I don't think Jordan has a clue what apology is. Um, So she doesn't know. But we want to put it in our parenting practice now that we're not afraid to ask for forgiveness from our kids. That when we mess up, we'll ask for forgiveness. We'll apologize to them. You know, I've been thinking over the past couple of weeks as I've gotten sleep and Jennifer hasn't, is how blessed I am to have her as a wife. And she's a wonderful wife and a magnificent mom. And I've learned a lot about discipline from her. You see, being a physician, she sees kids all the time, every single day. And she's learned a lot about how discipline's important. And how kids act when they come into a physician's office. And sometimes it's pretty bizarre. And the thing that I've realized is that I'm just so blessed to be partnering with her. Now I want you guys to know, we are not perfect parents. We are strugglers on this journey just like you are. And we're constantly looking for resources and tools to be able to apply to our lives. And uh, one of the parenting skills that I learned this past week when I was looking through some stuff, was seven aspects that I just want to kind of do rapid fire with you that you can use that are straight from the Bible that will help your parenting. And I'm going to call them the significant seven. They all rhyme together, so hopefully they'll help us uh, to remember when we leave from here. But I think that if we apply them appropriately, that they can have a huge impact uh, as parents. Now, the first one might kind of sound kind of strange, so uh, we're going to say it together, okay? It'll come up here on the board. On three, one, two, three. Start soon so you won't raise a loon, okay? 
Start soon so you won't raise a loon. Now, I don't know if you know what a loon is, but a loon is a fish-eating, diving bird with a short tail web feet, and it has a laughable kind of cry. There's the loon, okay? Now, the concept of the word loon, when you refer to a person, comes from this bird's laughable cry. I don't know what a loon sounds like, but I'll give my best shot. Loon! 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 Some of you are like, and he's teaching us about parenting? All right. But the definition of another loon is this, a lazy and confused person who is incapable of serious thought. It's just a lazy person incapable of any kind of serious thought. And folks, I'm telling you, if you don't raise your kids in such a way with discipline, you will raise an adult loon. They'll be lazy, insecure, unreliable, they'll lack self-confidence, and they will still be living in your house when they're like 30 and 40, okay? And the reason why they're loony is because they didn't capture the maturity that is needed to discipline, to be disciplined by their parents. They need to have discipline in their lives. Now, I said that I struggle myself with this whole idea of discipline. And maybe there's some of you that when you look at your house, you go, there's no discipline in our house at all, or very little. And I just want to encourage you, start now. I guarantee any of the things that we talk about, if you start applying them now, ten years from now, you'll look back and you'll say, you know what, I'm so glad I did, because it shaped and created a heart that was different than a loon. Here's the next thing. Discipline for motivation, not humiliation. Discipline for motivation, not humiliation. Discipline should always be a teachable moment. Some of the best communication that you can have with your kid is during or right after a disciplinary moment. Remember that discipline is something we do for our children, not to our children. We teach them, and you need to remember to do this in private, not public. We don't want to humiliate them. But Chris, what if my kids come to a restaurant... And, I mean, they're just going crazy. I mean, shouldn't I go off on them right there? No. You take that little angel to the restroom. And you say something to them before your disciplinary act. Something like, I love you too much and God loves you too much to behave like this. Here's the next one. Let's read it together. When you give in, no one will win. When you give in, no one will win. This past week, Jennifer and I were taking a walk in our neighborhood. Uh, We were using the strollers with our kids, and all of a sudden I noticed there was a woman who uh, was just on the back of a bicycle of a little kid, just going like this. And I was far enough away that I thought, oh, maybe she's teaching him how to ride a bike. And So I got closer, and the kid was about five or six, and it was an adult bike. And she is kind of back there going like this, going back and forth. And she says, "Um, honey, you know, let's go get your bike. You do your bike so much better. This is what the little kid said. No, I want to ride this bike, this bike, and you're going to have to deal with it. Now, 
my first thought was, why in the world are you letting him ride an adult bike? And then my second thought was this. If he's telling you now to deal with it, he's going to be telling you to deal with it for the rest of your parenting life. Now, you know the reason why uh, this woman was doing this? She wanted to avoid conflict. She didn't want conflict. But this is the key, folks. When you avoid conflict with your child, guess what you're going to get more of? Conflict. You don't do it the first time. You just waste time. So discipline the first time. Here's number four. Give proper pay when they disobey. Give proper pay when they disobey. The punishment must match the crime. The punishment must match the infraction. A few months ago, Jordan was having an issue with taking one particular toy and throwing it across the room. I looked at her. I said, Jordan, don't throw the toy. She picks up the toy. Bam! Hits the wall. I go over. I grab the toy. I said, you see this toy? Yes, Daddy. Do we throw it? No. Then I said, you're never going to throw it. And I put it on the television. And it was there for a week. It worked. She didn't throw the toy again. One morning, uh, I was getting ready to give Jordan her vitamins. They were liquid vitamins. I'm getting ready to give it to her. And I just get the dropper, you know, close to her, and she's going, I get a little bit closer. I get it to her mouth finally. She's like, then she goes, spits it out everywhere. I go, Jordan, you're going to take these vitamins. We don't do this. Yes, Daddy. And I said, do we need to have a talk? Because our babysitter was there. And most of the time when I tell Jordan, we need to have a talk, she kind of cowers a little bit and she knows there's going to be some discipline. This time she was like, sure, Dad, I need a talk. Let's go have a talk. What do you want to talk about? I take her out of the room because I don't discipline her in public, even if it's just with our babysitter. But I took her to uh, the guest room, which is now Shiloh's room. And I said, Jordan, you understand we don't do this. And my, my discipline strategy for her, I put my hands on her head like this because when I say look at me, she goes like this. So I make her look at me. I said, you know you're going to take your vitamins. Are you ready to take your vitamins? Yes, Daddy. We go back down, put her back into uh, her high chair, uh, get ready to do the vitamins again. She fooled me. She didn't do this. Just put it in her mouth. Like that. I had very little control that time, but I had patience. Again, I didn't uh, do this in public. I grabbed the entire high chair. I took her with it all the way up, put her in the guest room, turned the seat around to where the only thing that she could look at was the door because there were things on the walls. She needed to be punished. So I put it there, and she needed to be disciplined. And I put her there, and she looked at the door, and I let her sit there in a timeout for 10 minutes. She's crying, oh, Dad, Dad, vitamin, vitamin. You know, like now, hey, I want the vitamins, you know. Bring it in here, Dad, I'll take anything. I go in, we do the same thing. Jordan, do you understand? Yes, Dad. We, I take the whole chair now, back down. Here's the babysitter. Put her down. Get ready to do the vitamins. She still doesn't take it. Finally, I open her mouth like a loon, and I just kind of pour it in, and she took it. Now, let me say this. She takes her vitamins from now on because there was consistency. There was a sense that something was going to happen with that. 
Now, many of you probably are asking the question, all right, what about spanking? What do you think about spanking? Well, we haven't spanked Jordan. I think a child that is two years old or younger, they don't get anything from that, and you could decide maybe another age for you, but for us, we don't do that. Now, we have slapped her hand uh, one time before, and personally, I don't have anything against spanking when it's the last resort. I think the problem is, is that what happens is parents get tired, and you think, I just want to change the behavior right now, and spanking becomes the first choice rather than the last one, and you don't help to create anything with them. So give proper pay when they disobey. Here's the next thing. Let's read it together. Call it tight, and you will do them right. Call it tight, and you'll do it right. Basically, what I'm saying is if you're going to err, err on the side of looseness, not strictness. Err on the side of looseness, not strictness. I'm not saying be a militaristic parent like Bobby Knight, you know, and like get in their face all the time. But I'm saying it's so much easier to loosen the reins than it is to tighten the reins. And so it's important to tighten it early, and then you can loosen it as you go on. Here's the last one. Let's read it together. When you're specific, you'll be prolific. When you're specific, you'll be prolific. Actually, there's one more than that. There's only, I can't count. Here's the point. I remember when I was a teenager, we went to some friends of ours' house, and it was my friend, his brother, and cousin. We were teenagers. We got into the house. They lived out on a farm. As we walked in, their parents were walking out, and they just said this, Boys, behave. Now, that's not very specific, is it? And it's not a very good parenting strategy. So what we did was we went and found the keys that they hid of the other car. We went and turned on that car, and we drove to the convenience store, and we bought pizza and Mountain Dew and chips. Now, here was the problem. None of us had a license, okay? You know what the parents should have said? Very specifically, do not leave the house. If you think about leaving the house, remember the first rule. Don't leave the house. Okay? And they just weren't specific about it. And the reality is, is that many of us in our discipline were just not very specific. And kids want details. They want boundaries. They want clarity. And you can't discipline them if you haven't set up the boundaries yourself. Okay, now, here's the last thing. Let's read it. A bribe sends a bad vibe. A bribe sends a bad vibe. Man, I've tried this one a lot in the last two years. Lately, Jordan has this issue. When she gets in her uh, high chair... There's another little chair on top of it. She likes to lift it off and throw it on the ground. And this is usually before the food comes, but sometimes it's when the food's there. She picks it up, throws it off. So she did that one morning, and uh, I said, Jordan, you know what? If uh, you keep it on your tray, you can have snacks for the rest of the day. Don't do that. That's not good parenting anyways, okay? But it worked, I thought. The next day, she's looking at the snack kind of pantry that we keep things going, I know how to do this. Click, wham, throws it right out. 
said, Jordan, if you do this again, you're not going to have any snacks and you and Daddy aren't going to play tonight. Put it back down. Bam! Nothing. Just put it back on. Didn't say a word. Later on, she comes up with these big blue eyes. Daddy, snack, play. said, Jordan, I told you, if you do that, no snack, no play. She goes to the pantry door like a dog. Daddy, Daddy, snack, snack. No, Jordan, you, did, you said you wouldn't do that. And my daughter is like the snack queen. I mean, when she came out of the womb, it wasn't mama or dada, it was snack, snack, you know. That's what she loves. And that time I stayed consistent and we saw it change. Next day, we sit down. She is cleaning, I mean literally cleaning her tray. She wants me to know that the tray is not going anywhere. Tray, Daddy, tray. I know it's there. Snack, snack. And the snack girl was back. Now some of you right now, your brains are bouncing. And what's going through your head is, Chris, you know, I appreciate these points you gave. I like the little rhymes. But the reality is, I have a teenager, and they are out of control. Or I have a kid in elementary, and they're out of control. They're arguing with me all the time. What do I do? Well, you got to come back next week for that. <laughs> Same place where we're going to be. Next week, we're going to look at discipline for kids only. But we're going to do it from the perspective on how kids need to have discipline in, them, in their life so that they obey and tools as parents that you can use for them. Let's stand for closing prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for your discipline. And help us to model discipline for our kids so that we might mold and shape their character the way that you desire. Help each parent here today to take something from this teaching, and kids as well, that we might become better parents, better families, for your honor and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you like prayer for anything, come on up. We'll see you here next week. Thanks.